Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. Good morning, St. Mary's. Before I start, let me just say a thank you to Reverend Sam Chamberlain uh, and a happy anniversary to he and his lovely bride, Jenny. Uh, Sam, as I told you privately, I'm going to tell you publicly, uh, I thank you for the opportunity to feed your flock in your absence. Please enjoy your Sunday off. Spend some time with your wife. Y'all have some fun. With that, please join me in a moment of prayer. Almighty and ever-living God, I thank you for meeting us during this preaching moment. God, I ask that you increase so that I can decrease. Give your servant a word for these, your assembled people, wherever they may be, that is both receivable and believable. Likewise, God, I ask that you comfort the afflicted, but more importantly, afflict the comfortable. We ask this in the name of our elder brother, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I have a bit of a confession this morning. This reading from Matthew's gospel has caused me more than a little angst on more than one occasion. Uh, Let me also confess that the text is not unusual in causing me angst. Uh, Many biblical texts cause me angst if I'm going to tell a truth this morning, and here is why. It is easy to see how the text can be misapplied or misinterpreted, uh, depending on your perspective. I will give you an example. Uh, Paul, in his letter to the church at Ephesus, in chapter six, uh, writes these words to his listeners. uh, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling in singleness of heart as you obey Christ not only while being watched and in order to please them, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Render service with enthusiasm as to the Lord and not to men and women, knowing that whatever good we do, we will receive the same again from the Lord, whether we are slaves or free. And masters do the same to them. Stop threatening them, for you know that both of you have the same master in heaven, and with him there is no partiality. Just so that we are on the same page, uh, those five verses were used to justify chattel slavery in this country, And to keep slaves in line, slave masters would say, see, God is okay with slavery and you are to obey me. It's in the Bible. I got a problem with that text. 
I, I won't get into how translation of biblical laws found throughout the Old Testament have been used to keep anyone other than straight men in positions of power. I won't get into how there are times when even the words of Jesus are used to demean others. Uh, Jesus is calling a woman's daughter a dog comes immediately to mind. Uh, but know this morning that there are texts that cause me more than a little angst when encountering them. Uh, this morning's reading from Matthew is no exception. And depending on how you look at it, it is either a lesson in effective capitalism or a lesson in effective stewardship of the resources we've been given. Uh, let me refresh your memory just a little bit. Uh, Jesus tells the story of a master going on a journey who entrusts his property to three slaves. Just a quick note before we look into this in depth, uh, according to J.R.C. Kauslin, Associate Professor in the Department of Classical, Near Eastern and Religious Studies at the University of British Columbia, and a Methian commentator, he says it this way. In Jesus's day, it was not unusual to entrust slaves with large amounts of money and responsibility. While a slave was defined as a person held in servitude by violence, natal alienation, and personal dishonor as the property of another, ancient slavery was not based on race. Uh, also, the biblical writers themselves more than likely came from being slaves themselves in their respective societies. So this definition of slavery has a bit of a different connotation than what we are accustomed to. Uh, next, uh, we must remember that this is a parable, a lesson that Jesus would use to illustrate a bigger spiritual point. Uh, let me just say that this text fits that definition perfectly. Uh, in order for Jesus to get his listeners to understand the lesson being taught, he had to talk to them in terms they would understand. N now that I've gotten that out of the way, uh, let's look at this in depth. Again, Jesus tells the story of a master who is going on a trip and leaves his fortune in the hands of his three slaves. He gave each of them an amount according to each one's ability, the text tells us. And just so that we have a clear understanding of what that means, uh, let me talk about it in dollars and cents. Uh, the master gives, let's say, $50,000 to the first slave, $20,000 to the second slave, and $10,000 to the third slave. And wouldn't you know it, they each performed according to their ability. Uh, the first two slaves used the monies given to them and doubled them. The master is ecstatic because uh, each has increased his wealth considerably. Uh, he is also rewarding them accordingly because they could be trusted to make him more money. Uh, like I said, uh, Jesus had to talk to the people in terms they would understand. Uh, but the third slave did what he thought was best. He dug a hole in the ground, he buried it, and when the master returned, gave the master back what had been given to him. 
the master was not pleased as the text tells us, as the slave did not make him any more money. Also, let's just be clear. The slave gave what I think could be considered good reasons for not being sloppy with the money that had been given him. Uh, however, he has prejudged the master as a harsh man, and it seems that the master would reap where he did not sow and gather where he did not scatter seed, which could be looked at stealing from a perspective. And in an effort not to find himself on the receiving end of a harsh man's punishment, conserved the money and gave it back to him. Uh, now, again, the text tells us that the master is not pleased with the slave and punishes him for not investing his money with the bankers, uh, where the master says he would receive what was his own with interest. Uh, but there is a flip side to that. The master seems to have been okay with losing money as well as long as something was done with the investment. So, so we, we find a master who is mad with a slave for not taking the chance. And what does the master do? Takes the money from the wicked and lazy slave, gives it to the slave that already had 10 times the wealth and banishes the third slave to the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I still have a problem with this text and how it could be potentially misapplied. Look at verse 29. It states, for all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance, but from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Uh, that strikes a negative chord in me because it sounds like the rich are rewarded for being rich and the poor are punished for being poor. Uh, that sounds like a lesson in capitalism. Uh, to me, that sounds like a pull you up by your own bootsteps, bootstraps. And if you don't have good boots, oh, well, you just got to be poor and cast out. Can you see why this causes me some angst? It sounds like Jesus is encouraging income stratification. It appears at first glance that Jesus is okay with the slogan, greed is good. It sounds like Jesus is encouraging some risky behavior with resources. And here, is where I'm gonna take a pause and say, yes, Jesus is encouraging his listeners to take a risk, but not in the way that you think. Uh, let me say it to you this way. Love is a risk. Opening the doors of the church to all people is a risk. Giving to the church is uncomfortable and a risk. Uh, let me go on and be honest with you for a minute. Uh, for, uh, for some of us, participating in giving campaigns and stewardship campaigns with the church causes us angst. Uh, I really do need to be transparent for a moment. Uh, I grew up in a church where sometimes there were um, questionable financial decisions made. Uh, I, I really need to be clear with you for a moment. How, how many of us question why the church does, why, why do they need more money? 
We question, how is this money going to be used? We, we say things like, we're struggling in our household, and if we're struggling, my donations to the church are going to have to struggle too. They're going to have to decrease. And I honestly believe that this is where we go wrong in our stewardship plans, whether it's around money, whether it's around buildings, whether it's around time, or whether it's around talent. There is always a risk, but there's always a reward, especially if you take the risk. I mean, uh, think of what we could do if we were to fully open our doors to everyone. Uh, think of what we could do if we were to fully show love to those that we don't necessarily agree with. Think of what we could do if we were to give liberally to the church's mission, to spread the gospel. Think of what we could do if we were to continue living out the banner that is on this church's webpage. Be the church. Protect the environment. Care for the poor. Forgive often. Reject racism. Fight for the powerless share earthly and spiritual resources, embrace diversity, love God and enjoy this life. Those, my friends, are all risks. Think of what we could do if we continued living into the banner on this church's Facebook page. Be a blessing, pray often, be kind, give thanks, do good, have courage, lead with love, practice peace, be the light, work for justice, encourage others, and be joyful. My friends, those are all risks. Think of what we could do if we were to just take a chance like the two good slaves. The return on the risk is worth it. Uh, one last thing uh, before I close. There is the, uh, the, the possibility that you won't get a return on your investment you might lose something. But that's the risk we have to take and notice what happens. The two wise slaves are not rewarded with higher salaries or golden plaques or certificates from 700 Prospect Avenue East or 916 South Rolling Road. Uh, they are given more responsibility. They are trustworthy in a few things, the text tells us, and put in charge over many things. That is the reward for taking the risk. Uh, but the second reward is a reward whether you win or lose. Regardless of the income made, they get to share in the joy of the master's happiness. Uh, but, but remember, the third slave, however, is banished for not taking a risk. He is relieved of his responsibility and banished from the presence of his master's joy. So this morning, I, I, I'm looking at this text now from a different perspective and I encourage you to do the same. But many of us are afraid to take a risk, but Jesus encourages us to do just that. Many of us look at God as a hard taskmaster, one who's always looking to punish us. But what if we were to look at God as one who gives us freedom and joy, and the way to that is through generosity of spirit and giving? What if instead of being stingy, we become more giving? 
what if we actually live into what we say we believe on our banners and on our bumper stickers? Uh, or what if we actually live lives of stewardship as opposed to lives of scarcity? So my friends this morning, I encourage you, take the risk, love liberally, take the risk, give generously, the rewards are so worth it and they're not just financial. Uh, loving your neighbor, building a bigger table and a lower fence and the presence and love of God outweigh them all. I encourage you this morning, take the risk. Amen.